Welcome to Powder Keg Igniting Startups with Gerard Adams, the serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Elite Daily, which sold to the Daily Mail in 2015 for $50 million. In this episode, I traveled to Newark, New Jersey to meet with Gerard, where he's building Founders, a social impact accelerator dedicated to creating a community for young entrepreneurs. And I'll tell you what, my man Gerard brought it 100% in this interview. I am your host, Matt Hunkler, and I am the founder and CEO of Verge, which is a network of local communities with global reach for tech entrepreneurs, investors, and top talent. And as my team and I have grown Verge over the past seven years, we've hosted more than a thousand entrepreneurs at our events around the world. Those founders have gone on to raise more than $500 million in capital collectively. They're disrupting industries, creating wealth, and changing the world. And they're doing it in areas outside of Silicon Valley. That's right. We are unapologetically unvalley here at Powder Keg, and that's why we started this podcast. Each guest has their own Powder Keg full of raw skills and talents that have ignited their startups and fueled their growth. These are their stories. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Hunkler, and that's H-U-N-C-K-L-E-R. And what I want you to do is let me know how Verge, Powder Keg, and I can help you with your entrepreneurial journey. In the meantime, please make sure you subscribe to the Powder Keg podcast wherever you listen to your shows. We are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, all the major podcast outlets, including, of course, iTunes. And you can find all of those links to subscribe at our website, powderkeg.com. Yes, we now have the .com, which makes us oh so official. And that's Powder Keg, all one word, .com. You can also find all of the transcriptions, the show notes, all the links to everything we talk about in each and every episode including this one. And of course, you can subscribe to make sure you don't miss a single thing. Thank you to all of you powder keggists out there who have already left us a review in iTunes. It's your feedback and the sharing that helps us reach more people and grow this community. This week's episode of Powder Keg is brought to you by Developer Town. Something you might not know about Developer Town is that they actually help enterprise companies move like a startup. Corporate innovators often work with Developer Town to explore software solutions that support their business needs. And now the cool thing is Developer Town leverages all of their years working with startups and they can help companies better understand the viability of potential software solutions, apps, products, that they're doing digitally and quickly bring them to market. Developer Towns created this proven sprint to market process so that large enterprises can move like a startup. You can find out more about Developer Town, read up on them at developertown.com slash powder keg. That's Developer Town, all one word, powder keg, all one word, Developer Town, start something. Our guest today is serial entrepreneur, millennial branding expert, philanthropist, TEDx speaker, Gerard Adams. And I'm particularly excited to share this conversation because Gerard is an expert at connecting with millennials and building audience for his companies, something we could all benefit from. I mean, just check him out on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, wherever. You will find hundreds of thousands of followers following this guy at Gerard Adams. You can also check out his high production YouTube series, Leaders Create Leaders on Gerard Adams 
TV. The cool thing is Gerard and I connected in person in the office suite of his new social impact accelerator, Founders, that's spelled F-O-W-N-D-E-R-S. So it's like own in the word founders. You know, of course, Gerard and I talk all about the accelerator and some of the biggest breakthroughs for the founders going through his program. But we also talk about why Gerard decided to start an accelerator in Newark, New Jersey, just outside of New York City. Gerard shares his story about selling Elite Daily and some of the struggle before, during, and after selling the company to Daily Mail for $50 million. But we jump all over the place as Gerard shares some of the highs and lows of his awesome career, as well as some of his travels to entrepreneurial communities in Dubai, Thailand, and all over the world. So I hope you're ready for this. Let's set this thing off. I want to take it way, way back, uh, Gerard, and, and root it here and where we're sitting right now. Can you tell me where we're sitting right now? So we are sitting inside of Founders, uh, spelled F-O-W-N-D-E-R-S, in the middle of Newark, New Jersey, in what's called Central Ward. It's pretty much, you know, before we got here, I mean, it was it was similar to like what you would think is the hood. You know, they've never seen anything like this, which is, you know, an incubator, accelerator, kind of a live, work, play model, you know, right in the middle of Central Ward of Newark. And, you know, never seen anything like this before. But yeah, we're in Newark, New Jersey. Why would you why would you start an accelerator in what's known as the hood? Yeah. Um, so if you would have asked me that, if you would have asked if I would have been here uh, years ago, I definitely would have been like, what are you talking about? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, honestly, I it's almost like I can't explain it. I feel like I just followed my heart. I followed my intuition. Um, it's very like faith driven for me in the sense that like I started to ask myself some really tough questions after my exit in 2015 and I started to ask myself like you know I, f- I first went through like a depression of selling my company and not knowing damn was it the right price was I supposed to sell like you know I was I was a blocking vote and I kind of wanted to block it I wanted to keep going and so I went from feeling that way to then feeling like wow why like this is huge like my friends that I grew up with since kindergarten are like gee like you always want to jump out of a plane without a parachute like this is <laughs> this is huge man and like then taking care of my family and doing things I've you know I always dreamt of doing and then I just started really asking myself questions like why this success talk to me about that you you said you sold the company and the company you're referring to is Elite Daily. Correct. And you sold that for $50 million, right? Correct. That's awesome. I mean, you built a huge audience with that. And I want to make sure we talk a little bit about audience sure. building because clearly you're a master of that craft. But talk to me about how you were feeling. You said you were depressed. Why? And and how do, how long did that last? It didn't last too long. You That's know good. What I mean? That's good. <laughs> it, hey, didn't, I, it didn't last long. I, it, it was no it, judgment here. I I understand how that can be, right? Like you you ride the highs and the lows. Yeah. Sometimes you can get stuck in one of those lows for longer than you think. Well, it was like a really stressful time going into the acquisition. It's interesting because. We strategically planned the acquisition by, we saw that John Steinberg was leaving BuzzFeed and going and then seeing his transition to the Daily Mail and Daily Mail knowing that it's a very UK company and they wanted to get a footprint here in the US. And then knowing that like, you know, the millennial generation is where it's at and where everyone is really trying to gain the attention. And we had the fastest growing millennial publication at that time, 80 million unique visitors. So when John left and went to the Daily Mail, we're like, oh, this is perfect. We need to get him on our advisory board. We need to start working him and like hopefully this can position us for an acquisition down the road. Mm -hmm. Little did we know that, you know, by getting him in on our advisory board, and and that's a whole cool story of how he like I tracked him down at a speaking engagement from Morgan Stanley and like caught him by the exit like 
pitched him elevator pitch style, like gave him my business card. What was his reaction? He, he was, you know, he, he, uh, he was really interested. He bought, he bit into it. He was like, you know, send me an email. Let's get in contact. We then worked our investors to see if anyone knew John on the back end and worked both the front and made sure that investors hit, poked them in the back and said, Hey, you know, that elite daily, they really have something there. You should really pay attention. That got him to the office. Once he looked into our analytics and got to see our culture, which was really what was so special about us. When you came and visit us in our office, you saw the work ethic, you saw the vibes, you saw the, you know, how we were really truly building a company. It wasn't just articles and what you saw online. It was really this unbelievable culture that was growing. I mean, at the time we were growing into probably about, we had about a hundred, and 50 employees at the time, he immediately, within a very short period of time, once he went to Daily Mail, made an acquisition offer. And that was going into the end of the year. I was going through nonstop negotiations back and forth with him. It got a little ugly. Because I was like, you're valuing our company based upon revenue. And we were, for so long, we were really focusing on our product, which was our content and our audience yep. to get to that 80 million unique visitors, right? So we cared less a little bit about monetization and we were really cared more about, you know, running native ads and kind of being a part of that, that change in the way that people, you know, really digested brands and branding, brands engaging with content. So our, our revenue really wasn't where we knew it could be over the next, in those next year or two. The valuation I thought was low. So I was kind of fighting for that valuation. At the same time, I said, you know, I don't think it's the right time to sell. Like we got, we now have the audience. If we go another year or two, our revenue is going to be way far higher than what it is today. Our uniques is going to be higher. Like we can turn this from being a $50 million exit to like $150 million exit or maybe possibly maybe more. even more. Yeah. Right. Especially when you're looking at, at that time, the valuations of Buzzfeed billion dollar company, pretty much, you know, we think we're worth like over $800 million. So I was fighting and I had, and basically a very limited amount of time. I, a lot of the investors, my partners were like, we're, that's it. Like, this is the best deal. We're doing the deal. And I, and I was like, I don't know. I just don't know. I think we're maybe selling ourselves short. A little bit of internal conflict. Yeah. So I knew that the biggest issue was we didn't know how we were going to make payroll. We had only like a three month runway. So of course my investors yeah. and our, and my partners are like, gee, like we have three months runway. Like we need to take this deal right now. And right. we were at the time, so we were rushed to raise capital. We went to SF, the, the VCs were working against were working against us to really get our valuation even lower for them to put more money in us as co-founders, we really needed to focus on continuing to grow the trajectory of our business. So it's hard to raise capital while maintaining that growth. So again, really stressful, came down to this final board meeting and was like, do or die, do the deal or not. And luckily I had over the 10 days prior to that board meeting went ham. I literally went crazy around New York city, called up every mentor I've had, every investor I've came across. I pitched like I've never pitched before. And I was able to raise $5 million within 10 days to give us another option to keep going. So in that board meeting, they didn't even believe that we raised the money. So I had the investor call in and basically put a million dollar kill switch if he didn't fund the deal. So now we finally had two options right at the, uh, you know, after hours of, of going back and forth, Alan Patrickoff himself was in this board meeting, which I was like, it was insane to me because he's- I'm not familiar with Alan. Can you tell me He's like about the him? godfather of venture capitalists okay. in, especially in New York City, uh, the founder of Graycroft. Oh, sure. So he, you know, so to, to, to him- this sorry, deal that was, was a naive question. No, it's, it's fine. So I finally meet, I pulled out my two other co-founders, David and JSP, into a, to the other board, or the other conference room. And I looked him in the eyes and said, guys, I did the best I could. We bring another option to the table. 
you know, we started this thing together. We're going to finish it together. So what's the, what do we want to do? And they looked me in the eyes and they were like, gee, like, this is our, this is the dream, man. Like, regardless of the money, like we did it. Yeah. Like we did it, man. We go back in that room, man. Someone's buying our freaking company. It's a billion dollar company. They're going to give security to all the people that believed in us so that they all have security with this company. Everyone makes out. Our investors make out. Us as founders make out. Still early in the game. We have a large piece of the company. You know, we had option an option pool for our employees. They were making a lot of money. It just was a win-win for everybody. And even though it may not be that billion dollar number we had hoped for in the beginning, it was a big win. For It was a win, you know? So we went back in and we made that vote. So that day, you know, obviously changed my life, but I still had this like, so we cried, we celebrated, but then I, we couldn't tell anybody, mm. right? We couldn't tell anybody until the Daily Mail was ready to announce it. So during that period, which was like probably like a two, three week period, I was at home going crazy thinking about, damn, did we sell short? Like, did we, should we have held off? And if we would have held off, you know, we would have created more of a bidding war over the next year. We would have continued to increase our revenue increased. You know what I mean? You just, yep. you, you ask those Playing questions. The what, ifs. the what ifs kick in. That's when it was like a, a moment of like uncertainty. And then that's when my friends kicked in and were like, gee, no, this was the right thing. I think that's when I was inspired. Take a step back for the first time ever. I never cared about my personal brand. I cared about building my business. I finally had some time to take a step back and look at the entrepreneurial landscape. And I, I saw a lot of people out there that was on social media that were, you know, quote unquote entrepreneurs and selling the lifestyle of an entrepreneur. But I felt that there weren't really solid role models out there that represented what it meant to truly build a company, you know, not just be like this lifestyle entrepreneur out there that's selling courses. And I was like, wow, I need better leaders out there that are out there really mentoring and showing people what it takes to actually truly build a brand, something that's really like long-term and build a culture and something that's really going to elevate people. So that was, I started, that was one thing that, that started clicking. And then I started speaking across the country about this exit and I went to Silicon Valley. I started speaking at Draper University. I started just, and, and so this is after you've already kind of like accepted, okay, this happened. This was the right decision. Did, did you finally get mental clarity around this was the right decision or do you still kind of in the back of your mind have that little itch that says, what if? No, I finally got over it and I just was like, okay, this happened. Yeah. How can I now leverage this for good to really make bigger impact? And I started thinking about legacy and that's when I started looking at that, looking at role models out there, looking at like who are the thought leaders for the millennials, yeah. who's really built something, like how, who are the great big leaders out there that are mentoring and, and, and really getting out there and educating. And then at that same time of feeling that way and, and studying that those you know those thought leaders i was speaking about my exit at in silicon valley all these unbelievable ecosystems for startups and entrepreneurs that i was like man i've never seen anything like this where i grew up and we need to see more of we need to see more of that because through technology and innovation today like it really is the new economy yeah. but people are not we're not seeing enough education happening with the youth, with millennials today, across the nation, and even in these underserved communities to help really set up this, you know, our generation for, for real success, right? And, um, and you can see the demand of it, right? Like through social media. I mean, everyone is looking for motivation today and it's like, fuck motivation, right? Right now we need to understand how to actually truly build real skills and really get real resources and build, be in, build communities and really have that human interaction again to get those resources and education for you to become successful. So 
that's when I decided, you know, we're going to build it and we're going to bring it back. And if there's one place I want to start it in, it's going to be where my ancestors are from and where my family grew up and a place that I felt really needed it most, where there's a lot of poverty, crime, and the wrong perception of a city that was once one of the greatest cities in our country. And I want to play a role there in really helping be a part of that resurgence. It's, it's really cool to see what you're doing here in Newark. You know, you walk into the building, you can feel the energy. You know, people are like heads down working at laptops, like literally like packed in here. Uh, and I know you're building another space too. So probably to meet the demand. Tell me a little bit about the history of Newark. What was this like 10, 20, 30 years ago? So when my grandparent, my grandparents immigrated here from it, my father's side, Italy, and on my mother's side, uh, Venezuela, even though my mother was born in Colombia, you know, when they lived here, it was like unbelievable. This is when manufacturing in the in, in industrial age was just like booming here. There was wealth here. I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, for me, I think the coolest stories were just in the fact that they would say that they would just, everyone knew each other in the neighborhoods and that like they would be able to leave their, everyone would leave their doors open. It just, it was this really amazing sense of community that everybody knew each other. It was safe. There were jobs and I mean, you still see these houses that are like mansions. They're beautiful. Hmm. And they just talk about how, you know, how beautiful it was. Branch Book park. I mean, the cherry blossoms and the architecture here, it was just, it's gorgeous. Um, and then just what happened during, you know, in the industrial revolution, when we lost all these manufacturing jobs and it's not just Newark, we saw it all over. I mean, we see how Detroit now has had to have this kind of resurgence usually, you know, and we lost all these manufacturing jobs to China, you know, because of that, it really just brought in a, a large amount of poverty. You know, people lost their jobs. It then created crime. It became, it became riots. What was the neighborhood like when you were a kid growing up here? So my family, uh, my father went to Barringer High School. My grandparents grew up here. But when I was going, getting ready to go to school, my parents actually put me into Belleville High School, which is a town over from Newark, because by the time I was born, it was it was dangerous. It was yeah. very dangerous. So they didn't want that. So I got to grow up hearing all the great stories and then, then hearing what had happened, but hearing how it made my parents what they are. And I got all of my values and morals from them. They were my first mentors. So I got to see my mother work seven days a week and her work ethic and her teaching me how to love, you know, and how to be really look for that, like happiness in your life and like believe in yourself. And my father taught me leadership skills, you know, and how to be a leader and how what to did your dad do? He worked for Prudential, okay. which is one of the anchors here in Newark. Absolutely. And, um, you know, he would put little notes around the house of like quotes from John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, like just hidden. And I would go to get like open refrigerator and boom, there'd be like, this quote in the refrigerator and I never got it, but you know, it really made me a leader when I was, you know, throughout my life and made me think about all of these greats. Um, you have a favorite quote that you remember finding around the house? To be honest, no, I don't have one that like really like comes to my mind right, right away. Yeah. Cause I, it was more of like Marcus Aurelius. My dad was really big with Romans and that, that to me really always stood with me in like thinking about, how you have to like, you really have to stand in, in the front line, you know, really have to be able to like, think about how Marcus Aurelius really led, led his troops and really, you know, how he, how he led. And to me, you know, being, I always felt like I've had to be a Spartan throughout my entire life. So for me, I guess like as a leader, like Marcus Aurelius was one that really like clicks with me. Yeah. Um, Leading by example. Yeah. Absolutely. Example. Well, and it kind of goes back to your story too, and that uh, you want to be one of those figureheads and people that uh, entrepreneurs that other entrepreneurs or 
soon to be entrepreneurs look up to because you've been there, you've yeah. done that, you led by example ahead of time, which I think is really cool. It's, it's definitely a unique perspective. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so tell me a little bit about how this neighborhood has changed recently. So how is, how has New York changed? You know, by the time you were growing up, it was too dangerous to, at least for your parents to feel like they could put you into school. Yeah. And so they sent you to Belleville. Is that yeah. right? How did you decide that this accelerator co-working model was the model you wanted to bring back to Newark? Well, again, it first started with my, like asking myself those tough questions. Then it became like very like intuitive and like faith-based. My church is here. I got my namesake from my church in Newark. My grandparents, again, that whole, like my grandparents being here, like really started to spark my interest of, man, what would it be like if I took everything that I've learned myself as an entrepreneur? Because I mean, you talked about the highs and lows. I mean, I've had a ton of those lows and to overcome to get to where I am today. And I want to be able to share those experiences. And I was like, what would that be like if I brought it back to a place where I can relate to these, I can relate to this community. I can relate to a lot of the people that have grown up in this way where they didn't have a silver spoon. They've had to fight for everything in their entire life. You know, and I, I, I made bad decisions growing up. I can really relate to them. I, I went through like hustling weed when I was like in high school, like doing things where I was like going to get in trouble, almost getting locked up. You know, and luckily channeling my hustle mentality towards business. Thank God for for that. Thank God for the internet. Thank God for me growing my passion for, you know, leveraging the internet, understanding that and, and channeling that into business. Otherwise, I'd be probably locked up myself. Yep. You know, so I can, for me, it was like, I really want to get back and show them that it is possible. The same way that they have to fight on these streets, that they can fight, but then they can start educating themselves and understanding how to leverage technology, how to leverage you know, the internet, how to leverage, you know, their ideas and, and bring them to life. And we live in a time where, you know, it is, po it's truly, truly possible to get, like I've always said, you know, not, you know, not everyone can be a great entrepreneur, but a great entrepreneur can come from anywhere. And I really wanted to, you know, to prove that by coming back into Newark and so much has changed here. I mean, there's 2 billion in investment that's happening in development. Whole Foods just came to town and oh, opened up this past month. Um, Starbucks just came to town, which are these are like, you know, cool signs. Yeah. Um, you know, well, you have a lot of big industry here too, right? Like yeah. there, there are big companies that have offices in, in and around Newark. What are some yeah. of those companies? So the one that's really exciting to me, other than obviously Prudential being something that's, you know, my father worked there and they've always, they've been like the, one of the biggest anchors here, but Audible's here. So having Don Katz here, Amazon and Audible, like right down the street from us is huge. We have Panasonic. Yeah, it's it's growing. We have Aero Farms, which is one of the largest indoor agricultural yeah. um, self-sustaining farms. I didn't realize that was here. Yeah, Aero Farms, just did, they, they came here. And we're just continuing to see, you know, and what's really cool is Newark Venture Partners, which is the first uh, venture, you know, VC to really open up here, just open up here as well. That's great. And uh, they just went through their accelerator model. So we're starting to see a lot more startups and that, that ecosystem starting to grow. We, we just got uh, chosen to be the director for Startup Grind, powered by Google and opening up that chapter here in Newark. So it's an exciting, a real exciting time. One of the things I love about you, Gerard, is that you are a storyteller, you know, it, both your own stories and you make sure that you're interviewing people that have a story to tell. And I've seen that really build your own personal brand audience, as well as the audience for founders and what, what you're doing. We saw it with Elite Daily mm -hmm. uh, and, and how you built that audience. What are some of your secrets or principles to building audience? Number one, which I mean, I think it's overly, it's overly used, but being yourself, Yeah, you know, I think not being something that you're not, not trying to, 
you know, create some kind of perception, like owning. And that's why we have the word own and founders, like own it, like own who you are, own your story. Like we all have an awesome story. We all have come from different places. We've all had different adversity. One thing that I've, the reason why I am successful today is because I've constantly have gone through that mentality of I meet people every single day. I treat them the same and I want to learn from them. Like, I feel like no matter what, like I can, we can learn from, from each other, you know, and I've, I've constantly have looked for that little narrative in everyone different and everyone else's story to try to learn from. And, you know, that's, so one of my principles is just be your, be yourself, be authentic, you know, be humble, you know, look for the story in everybody else that you can learn from. You know, it's so much of that saying, if you, you know, you're, you need to be surrounding yourself with the right people. And, you know, you're, if you're, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Like right. I constantly feel like that should be the case every day. Like you should be constantly looking to learn from, you know, from the right people and putting yourself in that situation. Building trust is like super key. And, you, and, and the way to build trust is to bring value and give, 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 give. You know, Gary talks about that all the time. But for me, it's like. Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. yeah. So Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, I, I truly believe in that motto. Like bring as much value as you possibly can to build. If you want to build an audience, you want to build trust with them, like give. And and what if, what if you feel like what you have to say has already been said before, or maybe you don't, you feel like you don't have something unique to say. Um, How do you, how do you build that trust or how do you find those nuggets to give even when you think there might not be those nuggets? I always feel like no matter what, like it's probably been written somewhere. What do you want to say? I mean, it's probably written in some book. I mean, you look at like, you know, I just brought up Marcus Aurelius, you know what I mean? Like you look at history, it repeats itself. I just think we all go through different experiences and you just need to, you know, really take some time to think back about like what your experiences have been and what your pain points have been. And then just, you know, be open to talk about it because you never know who you're going to inspire you know, it's less about, I think we live in a time where people think they have to talk about their success. And that's, that's another reason why that, that, that pissed me off when I was going and speaking, everyone wanted me to speak about this exit. I was like, man, I'd rather speak about the 14 years it took me to get to this exit. Like forget <laughs> right. about the, you know, just the exit itself. Like, you know, talk about, you know, I think, you know, if you got to document, talk about like what you've overcome, document also what you're going through, like just talk, go through the, the, the challenges that you're facing, go through like the day to day and be open about it. And believe it or not, you'd be surprised by it may start off with just impacting one person, then 10. Next thing you know, it's like 100 people will be eventually, you know, commenting, getting in touch with you and you, you're inspiring them. So, you know, you can't worry about what else has been said. Just be, you know, pay attention to what's going on in your life and just be open about it and start, you know, putting it, you know, putting it out there if you really, truly want to build, you know, build that audience. Well, and you've really built an awesome audience, particularly in the millennial section, not just with uh, the exit of Elite Daily and the audience you built there. But now, I mean, I I think I even saw that you trademarked Millennial Mentor, which is awesome. Uh, You know, talk to me about that, because some of the older generations might say millennial mentor, like you can't mentor a millennial there. They want to do their own thing. Why, why did you choose millennial mentor? And, and why do you think millennials are the future of commerce and innovation in the world? You know, I, be honest, like I am a millennial, you know, I, I felt like we, for, for a very long time, even when we started elite daily, I mean, the idea was that like, we wanted to create a millennial, a publication for us, you know, by us. Like yeah. we were so many publications that were handed down to us and 
you know, they really didn't get like kind of like, you know, who we were. And, and I felt like we were talked down to a lot instead of talk, you know, a lot of people talk to us instead of with us. And I'm like, man, I get it. Like I, I am a millennial. Like I've gone through it. You know, for me, I feel like I'm like a big brother to like millennials in a way. Cause I'm on that older, I'm on the older side of the spectrum at this point in my life. I've really had to overcome a ton, but like, I think it's one of the greatest generations in history. And What's different about us, if you just look at what we've gone through as a generation, I think it's just really interesting to me. You know, we have gone through, we are the generation that went through this huge shift in culture. And we have the ability to truly make real innovation and true like impact on a whole nother level because of where technology is today and the sacrifices that our and our parents and grandparents and great grandparents have made for us, you know. And I think that's why I think it's the, that we're, we're the greatest generation. It's not because I'm trying to say that the past generation we're better than anybody else. It's that no, because of your sacrifices, we're in this position to truly make a shift in the world and the impact in the world right now. Honestly, we've gone through it, but it wasn't easy. I mean, I remember when the recession hit and, you know, back around 2008 to 2010, I had lost $20 million in the marketplace in my mid twenties. You know, I was up and I had a huge hit of ego. I learned a lot about my ego back then, (laughs) but I remember all my friends actually going through, I mean, there's a lot of talk about it now, but I was one of the first to to write a document, to produce a documentary called college conspiracy about the student loan debt crisis, about all of our, all of my friends during that time were graduating college and they all were in student loan debt and they all couldn't get a job. And they were all calling me because I was the only one who dropped at that point in time was one of the only ones who really dropped out that was was figuring it out. And little did they know that at that exact point in time, the recession took all my money because I invested into the stock market. And I just was like, damn, this is crazy. Look at what's going on with the economy. We had the largest How old national- were you when that happened? Uh, 25. 25. Wow. Yeah. So- yeah, so it was twenty five million dollar hit. That's a big hit. Big hit. I just became a millionaire at twenty four, so I was like high on life. Finally yep. made my first million. You know, I was acting like a douchebag, spending money like <laughs> you know crazy, buying right. bottles and cars and all types of things. And then boom, one year later, I'm on my, I'm on my, like thinking I'm on, I'm invincible and I'm making all this money. And boom, like crazy hit. But I feel like as a generation, so many millennials have, you know, told that you had to go to college, you had to go and get this great education, you had to get that nine to five, you had to be this certain way, you had, don't do this, don't do that, think this way. You, we, were, we were just like, we were really put in a box in a way. Mm. You know, what's great about us is the fact that we really are you know, we really have the ability now to really think us out of the box, really control our own destiny. We are creative. We are go-getters. We're, cre- we, we're risk takers. We want to be, you know, we truly want to, you know, impact the world. We want to innovate the next, the, the, you know, new technologies. And well, we, we grew up with the internet. We grew up with the internet. You Do you know? remember the first time you logged on? Was it America Online? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all that, man. Net, I, th- I, didn't even, I didn't have money, so I had net zero. Like, it was terrible. Nice. <laughs> We've come a long way. Yeah. We've come a long way. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. What, what, was it the internet that kind of sparked your entrepreneurial spirit, or did you have that even before you first 
got that, you know, net zero CD and popped it in the, the CDR. I definitely had it beforehand. I didn't realize it, but I did. I mean, back from like when I was a kid growing up and getting my neighborhood to help shovel, you know, because when it snowed, yep. you know, to make money through that. Then selling Mark Echo t-shirts because my one of the kids in my school's father worked for Mark Echo and we were able to get them cheap off, you know, from the father and we, we sell the t-shirts. I sold lollipops even like, and then it led me to, you know, not being proud of it, but getting to come to my environment. I started hanging out, you know, right in Newark at what was a place called the river. I talk about it in my finale of season one of leaders, create leaders, but I started hustling weed, getting into that scene, getting involved with gang culture and just really was going down the wrong path. I still think that was entrepreneurial though. Like I learned a lot from like that, taking that risk. And then, and I realized though that like that was the wrong decision, but I, you saw the supply and demand and you you saw the (laughs) margins and you were like, Hey, this is a good business model. Yeah. Just, and that's when basically, um, you know, so I feel like I always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. How, how did luckily, you get luckily off that for me, path? The inter- well, it was the internet. You know, it was, it, it was two things. It was it was the internet. You know, it was my father, you know, t- talking to me about, he always didn't talk to me about the stock market. And he luckily sparked my interest at a really young age of like looking at the stock market, understanding the stock market. And I was just like, it really, you know, he would talk to me about like, what's the stock price of Prudential when I got home from work and that because of the stock market, it really sparked my interest Mm -hmm. of like getting away from like hustling something and like understanding how, how can I learn about stocks? How can I learn about what made Apple, Apple? How can I learn how to invest into these right companies? Not just getting rich, but building wealth. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to me that, that saved me. Who, who are some of the other mentors? I mean, you talk a lot about, obviously you're a mentor to all of the people that are following you, you know, on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and are, are part of this network that you're building, but who were, who were your mentors when you were uh, growing up and, and kind of learning, you know, this transition to the internet, into the stock market, and then, you know, eventually with Elite Daily? There weren't people that were that were famous. A lot of my mentors, we live now in a time, if you look over the past, whatever, I guess five years, give or take, that we see like the Gary Vaynerchuk to what he is today on social media. Right. He talks about how he's been doing all of the, you know, he's been doing this, but it's taken him 11 years, but now he's like at that, you know, he's at that social media kind of icon. We see how, now we have so many men, you know, mentors and or life coaches at like 19 years old <laughs> on social media. You know, you see all of that, but for me growing up, social media, it wasn't like that. Like my mentors were hidden. They were people who were building businesses. No one knew their names and they were really good businessmen or women. And, uh, so they're, they're, they're names that like, you probably wouldn't know, you know, uh, who are some of them just give, give them some props here on the, yeah, on the podcast. I mean, I mean, Ron Durando, the first CEO that brought me on board of a nanotechnology company, you know, he was a great mentor to me. He, you know, it led me to my first failure, which I'm forever grateful for. You know, he did a big demo day that I helped put on. And that demo day was a huge classic demo day failure. And I thought my career was over. But what happened to paint the scene for me? Well, I was, uh, don't want don't to make you have to relive it, but yeah, no, I, I figured I mean, you, you've learned the lesson and moved on. Maybe you could share that lesson with us for, for those of us that might be doing a demo day. So I worked with Ron and he had a company, it was a nanotechnology company reinventing the battery. I used to go with him to Lucent Bell Labs and they created a nanostructure to separate the two liquids inside of a battery to create an infinite shelf life battery known as the nano battery. Wow. And I was in charge of uh, investor relations and public relations. And this is when I was using my digital marketing 
expertise to tell their story to the world. So, you know, after going to this lab and seeing him create this, I'm like, Ron, we got to finally show people this. Like, we got to show people. We got to do a demo day or something. And he was like, great, you do it. Handle everything from soup to nuts. So I went to New York City, got this venue. I, I printed out every investor I can find, broker, investment bankers, the media. I sent out, you know, sent out, uh, you know, emails to them. I think I mailed an invitation to them and uh, I called up my buddy, got this, you know, who, who was like a wedding DJ. I'm like, I need a stage. I need a <laughs> mic. I need TV screens. He came, he set it all up. I checked people in that day. We had 200 people show up and I, you know, wrote the, I had a press release out. I got the media there. Like, you know, I really helped create a lot of hype for this thing. I did a video that was like epic back then for this nano product. Nice. That day comes, I'm in the bathroom with my cue cards. I never did public speaking before because I was like a college dropout who never really did public speaking. So I'm like nervous. I look like a baby, so young. Ron comes in the bathroom, slaps the cards out of my hand. He's like, Gerard, just get out there, be yourself. Don't worry, you got all these people in the room. Like, get out there. Just I went out there, introduced myself. Hi, I'm Gerard Adams, you know, director of investor relations. This is why I believe in M phase, this is why I believe in this company. And then, you know, gave my little speech. First time I ever did that, and then introduced the comp- the management team, CEO Ron and our chief scientist officer, chief scientist officer. They came up. I was like sitting down right in the front, like this is it. They went to show the nano battery that I was using no energy. They were gonna hit this button. It's gonna freaking light this light bulb and show on the TV screens energy is being used just to prove the concept of the nano battery. And I've seen this thing work a dozen times. They hit this button and crickets, man. It doesn't work. And like literally, it was like a disaster. I mean, people raising their hands, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, investors are like, oh, like this is like, this is you know, scam, this is bullshit. I mean, it was just like terrible. And they just crossed apparently they crossed the leads. They didn't prepare. What I learned from it is like preparation is everything. Yep. You need to pre- you know make sure that you're preparing for everything. Be detail-oriented, prepare. And they the management team just didn't prepare. You know, they didn't test this thing out in time, you know, beforehand. And that was devastating. Um, And I thought my career was over. Like all the hard work I did throughout that year to get this story out. The stock was up 400%. They were written up in the news everywhere. And I'm on the cover of like Wired Magazine. I had everybody paying attention. I thought it was like a disaster for me. My career was done. And then a couple guys came up to me like, hey, kid, I'm surprised you got me in the room. Call me. And they gave me their cards. And then from there, I was like, you know what? I'm good at telling people stories. I'm good at marketing. I, I did get all these people in this room. It is a gift. So there's got to be other companies out there that are going to be more prepared, that need to get their story out. And that's when I just started I started my first agency. And uh, that's what I turned into a $10 million business by the time I was 24. And that's how I made my first, you oh, know, wow. my first millions. How um, did Ron talk you through that experience as your mentor? You know, he was always just like, we'll figure out how to take a negative and turn it into a positive. So for me, it was just basically, he was like super pissed off about it. Obviously himself too, but he was just like, you know what? It's a learning experience. We're going to get through it. We have to take what we can, we could take what we can, like our learning experience from this. He ended up having like reaching out to everybody individually and trying to get to fix the situation. But at the end of the day, you just got to like, you got to push forward. And you know, to this, he ended up pushing forward and told me like, we're going to get through it. You know, it, it's not that we know it works. We just now we made this mistake. So we have to clean, fix, learn from this mistake and push forward. And now we have even more pressure and we have to, 
make sure that we get the right product and get it out to market. So, and he did that, you know, he ended up getting a deal with Porsche, getting the product to market. I, he, you know, he always said to me, if you're not making mistakes, you're not moving forward. So, you know, I've, that's always stuck with me. And, um, well, I love that you've, you've always kind of pushed, right? Like push yourself out of your comfort zone, both in business, um, with all of your travels. I know you've been traveling a ton this last year, right? Like mm -hmm. you've been to, uh, Dubai. I know you went to Dubai with Peter Vood, who we've, mm -hmm. we've interviewed before. Um, did you also go to Thailand and India in the last year? Mm -hmm. Um, going out and checking out these various, uh, tech communities, you know, talk to me about that. I imagine you're seeing these entrepreneurs all over the world. You know, if someone said to you, Hey, you can't, you can't start a company from there, wherever there is, what would you say to them? Oh, I mean, we live in a time now where you can, like I said, you can be anywhere in the world. It's pretty amazing. Um, and be able to build a business. You know, I know I have a ton of friends that have like literally started their business right now on like the beach in Australia or like in Thailand. It's pretty incredible. And for, for me, you know, I just look, I, to get inspiration, I love traveling. It really gets my creative juices flowing. Mm -hmm. I really get a ton of ideas by just going to different countries, going into different cultures, taking little bits and pieces from them and how they're, you know, what they're building and how they're building communities differently. Um, you know, it's always been just inspiring for me to, to just travel and meet and meet different people that are, you know, that are doing things from different places in the, in the world. Um, you know, Thailand was one of the greatest trips for me. Um, and what was interesting about my trip to Thailand was when I got there, interesting enough, my CTO from Elite Daily happened to be there at the exact same time. Oh, wow. And we got to like celebrate the exit together, like jumping off of a boat at, in, on, uh, in what's called the Fifi Islands. And just like, that was just amazing. Um, and then I got to speak at a conference there uh, to, you know, I think it was like 2000 people in Bangkok. And what I, what I noticed is that like internet, from my experience internationally, from the places that I've been, there's a lot more nomads. We, there are, there is this like, there are millennials out there that are being these entrepreneurs that are, are nomads and are able to kind of be in these different destinations and build businesses from, you know, from anywhere um, nowadays. It's, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty exciting. I mean, I, I, I see a lot of young millennials now that are able to, because of social media, you're able to travel across the world and be able to make money. I just interviewed recently Jeremy Johnson and Tom Johnson of a company called Beautiful Destinations, which is the largest social media company in the world for travel. And they're working with tourism boards all over the world and do, you know, have this dream job of traveling and shooting content and helping, helping these cities and hotels create social first content. And they're, you know, making, making a, a, a ton of money, you know, traveling the world and building a big business and building technology around it. And, you know, that's, that's, what's exciting about, you know, today is you can, you know, you can be anywhere in the world uh, right now and be building a business. Well, you can feel the excitement in here in founders headquarters in, in Newark. Tell me a little bit about the program that you're doing here and how people can find out about it. Sure. We have a 12-week program right now called Seed to Scale, which helps entrepreneurs learn how to launch their ideas, um, scale their ideas, prove out their ideas. What's different about us compared to some of the other incubators and accelerators out there is we're, we consider ourselves more of a human accelerator. So before we even get into your business, and, and we bring world-class mentors here that are CEOs, entrepreneurs that will help guide you on how to really successfully launch your business. But before we get into that, every day we're working on you as a human being, 
um, your ment, your ment, you know, your your mindset, and really bring that personal development aspect to our curriculum. You know, morning meditations, Tai Chi on the roof. We go play five on five basketball together. You know, we're constantly doing NLP, pra- you know, practices. Um, We've talked a lot about that on the podcast in the past. Yeah, a lot that's of cool. And I think you know that's that's most important, right? Like if you got to focus on that internal before you can build anything externally. So we we really integrate that, and I think that's one of our differentiators here um, is that personal development throughout every one of our courses. Um, and yeah, so so and then Seed to Scale is our one for the entrepreneurs, and we also have some other courses launching this summer that are more skill set for the entrepreneurs that want to be able to build a career and harness. You know, we have a Code Academy that's now launching this summer, um, and then one on digital marketing. So, and we have uh, what's what's interesting about our program also is you can actually live work and play. You're buying education, but with that education, you can get a place to live in one of our new apartments. You have with the new building, and now you're going to have access as a member to founders to a fitness center, you know, which is going to be this unique fitness center that we're creating with like sand and CrossFit and robes. It's like, think of it as like a Navy SEAL training um, program, a lot of programming around that. That's and awesome. then a, a uh, like cafe. So you, you really have like the whole lifestyle. So you can go through a transformation through anyone one of our courses and feel you're part of this environment and also participate in making impact in this community that when we got here, 80% of the children here didn't even have Wi-Fi at home. Now it's completely changed. Now you see, so we work with the middle school kids here. We work with the high school here on Earth Day. We're going to do a city cleanup. So it's cool. That's very cool. It's, it's amazing to hear the impact that you're making here on the community. And I imagine that it's going to have ripple effects into the rest of the world as well. I mean, you're already out there traveling, spreading your message, but you're going to have a, entire classes of people coming in and, and doing the same thing over time. So it's, it's really cool to hear about that. If yeah, people want to check cool. it out or maybe apply, where do they where do they go? Sure. And, you know, we, we really want to be able to take, you know, our goal is to take founders really kill it and, and be here in Newark and that's will be our staple but to take it nationwide and then eventually obviously global so if you want a founders near you definitely let us know because we're interested to hearing back from all the entrepreneurs out there that think that this would be something that you would want to see in your community and uh, basically you can go to www.founders.com with the word own in it so that's f-o-w-n-d-e-r-s.com and uh, yeah just uh, sign up to the newsletter that updates everybody on everything feel free to uh send an email. My email is Gerard, G-E-R-A-R-D at founders.com. Awesome, man. I really appreciate you sharing your story and sharing what you're doing here. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. So we'll make sure we're including some shots of the space and what you're doing Sweet. here in the video. So if you're listening to this on audio, make sure you go check out the, the video on YouTube or Facebook uh, and make sure you follow Gerard. He's got an awesome story to share. Uh, I love following your journeys, uh, particularly you. on Instagram. All the photos from around the world are, are pretty amazing. And Thank you. Right here in Newark. I, I had yes. no idea, man. Yes. No, we really appreciate it. You know, we love to give a tour to anybody that, you know, if you're going to come to New York or, you know, make, you know, you can come to fly into Newark. It's a, it's 20 minutes from Manhattan and, uh, we'd love to give you a tour of our founders district. So I appreciate that. It's cool. I can testify. It's, it's definitely worth the trip out. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, man. Hey, Matt Hunkler here again. That's it for the interview, but that does not have to be the end of the conversation. You know, I always like to continue the learning beyond just the podcast. So I hope you'll hit up Gerard on social. Of course, you can find him on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, just at Gerard Adams, and that's G-E-R-A-R-D Adams. 
on all of those social platforms. And of course, you can check out his super high production YouTube series, Leaders Create Leaders on Gerard Adams TV. Powder Keg is presented by Verge, which is a network of local communities with global reach for tech entrepreneurs, investors, and top talent growing companies beyond Silicon Valley. We have a ton of free resources for starting and growing your business at vergehq.com. We also host several events every month around the country. So check us out and see where we're at. I would love to link up with you in person, learn a little bit more about what you're working on and how we can help. So again, that's vergehq.com. And of course, you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hunkler. That's at H-U-N-C-K. L-E-R. I appreciate all of your feedback, all the conversation and dialogue there. Thank you so much for continuing to give great feedback, great ideas for future shows. And of course, let me know how I can help. I want to help you. I want to help your business. And I want to help make this podcast better and better so that, again, we're helping more and more people the more interviews we do, the more episodes we have. So thanks to everyone who has done that. And of course, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who has left us a review this past week and subscribed on iTunes. You can leave us your honest review by using this link, powderkeg.co slash iTunes. Please give us a subscribe while you're at it and we'll be forever indebted to you because it's your reviews, it's your subscriptions and your feedback that help us get better and reach more people to build bigger and better businesses that really matter. Thank you so much for tuning in.